0: I actually was at a a running camp the other day and someone asked me, you know, do you just not get anxious before races anymore? And I was like, no, I definitely do. But my perception of it has changed where, you know, I used to see, okay, I'm really nervous. I'm like so nervous I can't sleep, I can't eat. Clearly I'm nervous because I'm not ready or I didn't train hard enough or I'm not gonna do well or whatever. And now I view it as like, oh, my body just recognizes that I'm about to throw it like through the gauntlet tomorrow.
1: Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast.
0: This is Addie Bracey and I'm honored to be joining Rob on the 55th episode of the Training for Ultra podcast.
1: And I'm really, really excited about this episode tonight. Uh, Addie Bracey, she just crushed Never Summer. She dropped like a a new course record and I was just blown away. There were murmurs, you know, just speaking with some of the top runners in the world and there were murmurs about how is she doing Never Summer and then Leadville, like this is amazing. So get to hear her running background and and there's not much out there on her, Uh, she's She's been through a lot. She's kind of a badass, and, you know, it's just an honor to have her on the show. So enjoy, you know, getting to dig deep with her. Also have, uh, Mayo Cernik. He's a, uh, friend of Michelle Barton. He just crushed UTMB last year, and I figured who, who else, you know, would be better to speak with than Mayo, and he's been through a lot the past year. He's, this is going to be, um triumphant finish a UTMB for him hopefully and some of you guys might have heard of her before Casey Liktai so she won Western States a few years back she actually met Mayo um, somewhere out in Europe I believe and she's going to be crushing UTMB she also has overcome quite a bit in the past year always fun speaking with Casey like she's one of the you know most bubbly happy people I've ever uh, spoken with, and truly, truly talented athlete. So it's a big episode, and hopefully this is unique. Like That's what my big goal for Training for Ultra, like I want to motivate you, I want to give you some you know, cool interviews from people like Addie Bracey, who are super talented, totally flying under the radar. I'm not going to lie, Leadville 100-Miler, coming up here really shortly. Uh, within the female field, I'm leaning towards Addie Bracey. You you heard it here first. Um, Yeah, she's truly talented, so it's cool to speak with her. Wanted to give a shout-out to Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't given them a shot yet, feel free to use my promo code 252888. You'll save 15% off your first order. And I've actually received a ton of positive feedback from my interview with Brian, it sounds like that resonated really well. And a lot of people picked up a lot of great tips and got a lot of positive feedback. And actually the coolest one, I think someone went out, modified their pre-race meal and how they were doing fueling and hydration. And they ended up like winning their age, age group. And like they gave us a shout out for both Brian and I it was really cool. And it's nice to hear you know positive feedback so you know if you try something and you know feel free let me know how things are going like i love i love getting feedback i love getting questions you know big thank you to sufferfest beer also they've been a huge supporter of this training for ultra podcast you know this is now we're going in beyond a year of doing this it's been kind of a whirlwind sufferfest beer has been a huge supporter and I'm drinking right now, as we speak, a taper IPA, kind of the go to classic Sufferfest beer. It's, it's really good. I think the FKT is the must try beer of 2018 with its electrolytes and vitamin C. And my wife, who, you know, gave birth a while back and now can actually have a beer once in a while, she really likes the blonde, just as a heads up. Um, I, I really like the blonde too, and the repeat the lighter alcohol content. You can repeat a few of them, get away with it. Low carb beer with actual flavor, and let's see the pilsner. I didn't want to leave that one out. So sufferfest beer, big big supporter, appreciate it. And last but not least, my CCC training. So I'm less than twenty five days out from running a dream race of mine. CCC ever since. Starting running just over two years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, I was, I've was. i been watching the UTMB videos and the CCC videos, and it's hard to comprehend that I'll be out there in Chamonix celebrating three years of running. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just hard to believe. So Tommy Byrne, bigger than the trail, they are helping kind of fly me out to Chamonix big supporters of the show raising awareness of mental health you know via trail running so thank you Tommy bigger than the trail you guys are awesome last but not least I wanted to thank Patreon supporters so I'll just give a quick shout out Jeremy, Trina, Brian Lauren, Scott, Richard Ben, Courtney, John, Roger Todd, Richard, David Samuel, Kat, Travis Paul, Lori thank you guys There's a lot more, but I appreciate you guys, and I'm going to try to um, continue to add value to Training for Ultra X. It's only $1 per month on Patreon, and you guys have your Patreon-only episode, so hopefully you enjoyed that. I'm not releasing that to the general public. That's just for you guys as an extra thank you. Enjoy this episode. It's a big one. Addie, Mayo, and Casey, enjoy your training. Have fun out there. See you next week. I'm joined here by Addie Bracey. She is an elite ultra runner, runs for Solomon. Heck of an athlete. Having just run Never Summer 100K myself, looking at her her new course records, like, hard to comprehend. Addie, thanks for joining me.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited.
1: Well, I mean, I'm just fascinated with your story, I have to say. Like, it's rare that I start digging and then just, like, for fun, just keep, like, you know checking out every YouTube video available, and uh, it's just an honor to have you on the show, so thank you again for taking, you know, the time to join me.
0: Yeah, sure. I can't imagine there's that many YouTube videos of me, but...
1: I, I found <laughs> yes. four solid ones, I think. Four, okay. One of which I think you put out, but that's okay.
0: Um, <laughs> so it's more than one, so that's good.
1: Um, you're a super fast runner. I want to hear, how'd you get into running? Where'd you grow up? what's the background to kind of frame up your story uh
0: yeah you know it's funny I was uh, I shared some miles with Claire Gallagher the other weekend at Never Summer and we were we've never spent like time together we know of each other but hadn't talked much and she was asking me similar questions and the way she phrased it I absolutely loved it she was like you've had nine lives and I'm like yeah I have actually <laughs> I've just kind of like gone through the gamut of of distance running um I don't remember a time that I didn't run. I started really young. Um, my dad was a runner and he wasn't a high level runner, but just like super nerd of the sport and, you know, went and watched pre Fontaine run back in those days and Frank shorter and all that. So I just remember running laps around our local track when I was, you know, seven, eight years old. Um, so ran all through middle school and high school and, uh, I actually played soccer and thought in my head I was going to be like the next Mia Hamm and turned out I was really terrible at soccer. Um, <laughs> so so I kind of made this uh, commitment, well, if I can't follow in her footsteps and play soccer at North Carolina, um, then I'll run track there. So kind of made that my goal and ended up walking on to Carolina's team in uh, 2004, right after Shalane made her first Olympic team. So kind of went in, you know, to a program that was really, really good and got my butt kicked around for a few years, but it was good for me and. Um, had a decent, decent college career. Um, nothing stand out. I, I made nationals a few times, but, uh, didn't place too high and, um, just decided when I graduated that I wasn't ready to be done. Um, I, I didn't have an illusion of going pro or being supported to run. I just, I hadn't had a single year where I didn't get better. Um, so I just didn't want to quit until I stopped improving basically just kind of see how fast I could go. So, um, I ran every event from the steeplechase to the marathon to the 10 K, um, and had some success, a little bit of success at, at each of them at various times, but eventually got burned out of that. And now here I am on the trails and, uh, ultras.
1: So how is it joining a team where, I mean, <laughs> trying to fill the shoes, of uh, literally like the shoes of Flanagan, like that. Was she there still at all? Like, was there any crossover? or is she just graduated?
0: She So she um, signed her contract, but she still had a year of school. I think she had maybe one season of eligibility, eligibility left that she just uh, gave up. So she was still around, um, which was just like, I was starstruck. Um, and then Alice Schmidt and Aaron Donahue were both actually on the team with me, and they both made the, the next Olympic team in the 800 and the 1500. Um, honestly, it was just like, a little bit demoralizing. Um, I was not like a standout in high school, but I was okay from where I was from. I think I was third in my state. Um, I grew up in North Carolina and I think ran like 513 or something in the mile. So I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I was solid, but I wasn't like at their caliber. So I just kind of like sat in the back and shut up and didn't talk a lot and figured if like I just, ran when I was told to and didn't draw much attention to myself the coaches would like kind of forget about me and maybe not cut me um so I was the slowest on the team the first few years for sure but you know I just grinded and slowly kind of worked up the ranks and um I was a team captain by the end which was an awesome experience and
1: you went from um, the slowest person on the team to then team captain
0: I did yeah how did you
1: how did you improve over the four years that that you were running there to that extreme like that's awesome
0: yeah I just I fell in love with working hard to be honest I'm not um my dad was my coach in high school and you know he was great and he put a lot of time into me but it wasn't the most fun like being the coach's daughter I don't think and I just had some great friends on my team at Carolina and uh, my best friend even now is a brief Nagel who was a an NCAA champion in the 1500 and you know 438 miler in high school so um (sighs) I saw it I saw practice as like, you know, time to be with my friends and I didn't I didn't wanna not be at the big meet, so it just it wasn't a it wasn't a quick improvement, it was a slow improvement. Um, you know, I just kept getting faster every race by a couple of seconds and um yeah, it just paid off. I didn't have any injuries. So a lot of it was I was lucky and I had a really great uh coach who Probably could have cut me on more than one occasion, but he, he liked my work ethic and my attitude and just, he gave me a chance. So honestly, just someone giving me a chance helped me improve and just gave me the time to do it on my own schedule.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's truly awesome. And, uh, what were your, your weeks like in college? I mean, was it push everyone and see who, who breaks and who doesn't and who doesn't break just keeps going or, or were they reasonable workouts?
0: Yeah, they were. Honestly, I I feel really lucky to have the college experience that I did, especially at a school where athletics is like, (laughs) you know, supreme. It's just um, athletics are serious at North Carolina. But my coach wasn't, he wasn't trying to destroy any of us. And um, it was hard and it was definitely hard, you know, with an academic load. And I was very much an athlete student, not a student athlete. Um, So there were times when it was hard, but I didn't feel like he destroyed me. And I think that's one reason why I'm, I'm still running, you know, 10 years after college is, um, he he was reasonable. So I didn't come out of it feeling like I had just been like, had the crap beat out of me for five years. And, um, that I was just like a shell of an athlete. I felt like I still had more to give, which, which was awesome.
1: Do you think it would be harder to have joined the basketball team when Jordan left or your team? Plan again?
0: Left. I don't know. <laughs> I'm <That's>, just kidding. <laughs> but I'm glad you asked that because I'm a die-hard Carolina basketball fan. Okay.
1: So. <laughs> okay. At least I got the right team. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, um, like, tell me, how was your transition out of you know the collegiate space? How did that go? And kind of where was your mind at that point?
0: You know, it is. It's interesting making that that switch. It's getting better now. Um, there's a lot more kind of little groups popping up versus just the companies offering you know big contracts to people but not that I was in that situation but just regardless it's like you graduate and then you're like wait now what I've had all these teammates and like this structure and now I'm just supposed to train on my own um I was lucky I stayed in Chapel Hill I actually thought I wanted to coach college um when I was first done so I stayed and was on uh, a volunteer on the staff there and so I had some people to train with um but I pretty quickly moved to the marathon. Uh, I ran the steeplechase in college and it just, I was okay at it, but it wasn't what I thought I was suited to do. So I moved up to the marathon pretty quickly. Um, and the transition was hard. It was hard to do all the workouts on your own. It was hard to not, you know, have the the school paying for your trips and you realize how expensive it is to actually travel and race. But, um, I, I had a good coach and, it worked out and I, I ran well for a few years, uh, staying in Chapel Hill. I think I stayed three, three more years before I moved to Colorado.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. So, um, that probably allowed for some routine, right? You, you get to pick up off those college routines, at least uh, a little bit. I'm guessing, I know they're modified. Um, I mean, was that part of your logic or did you just like Chapel Hill to the point where you wanted to stick around?
0: Yeah, I think both. Um, like I said I thought I wanted to coach college and you to even get like a volunteer or a GA position is pretty hard and they they were eager to keep me around um so it was a good opportunity for me to get in that way I later decided I did not want to do that but um that was good and yeah just to have some some structure was nice um but I would I will say after a few years of that I re, I kind of think of collegiate running and professional running or, or post collegiate running whatever you want to define it as but being almost different sports and I felt like I wasn't going to be successful until I moved somewhere and trained with people doing the same thing as me. It's just college is a lot about championship season and, you know, you're racing every single weekend and racing conference championships and regionals and nationals and post-collegiate running is not like that. Um, A lot of the time it's gearing up for one big race to make a team or um, maybe a few big races a year. So that was kind of ultimately what led to my decision to move to Colorado.
1: And, and how long was it until you had laid down some serious marathon times? (laughs) Were you, Um, were you out of, um, Chapel Hill laying down those qualifying times or was that, had you moved to Colorado at that point?
0: I, I qualified for the trials, uh, in my first marathon, which was in 2010, I think. I never really crushed a marathon, honestly, until later. I don't know why either, because I should have, but, um, I, I, I made the Olympic trials in the 10K, actually, uh, in 2012, and that was kind of what led to my decision. Um, I had trained like completely by myself, um, kind of at weird times, and was still able to run 32, 37, I think it was, uh, to make the trials.
1: That's amazing.
0: So I just kind of felt like I needed to be somewhere else, and um, Brad Hudson, who I think, still think is maybe one of the best marathon coaches, if not the best marathon coach uh, here, Called me while I was at the trials actually, um, and said I want to coach you, like come out to Colorado. So um, I took a chance on that just because I, even though I ran well in the 10K, I I felt like the marathon was my event. I just I hadn't nailed it yet, so I felt like I wanted to be under someone who knew the marathon really well.
1: And so, I mean that that's amazing. Like I I knew you had done that, but it's almost one of those like you forget because it's so rare, like to have made the trials in. You said the 10K
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then the marathon. Like, that's that's crazy to, to bridge that gap because that's a heck of a gap.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, I still, honestly, that feels like such a long time ago that I don't even feel like I'm that same athlete anymore, so I kind of forget about it too. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did do that. That was kind of crazy. That was a long time ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's unbelievable. And so when did you start actually nailing – the ma- marathon distance, or have you nailed it yet? Like, have you run a good marathon that you think you're capable of? Uh,
0: I think I could have run faster. Um, I just got, I don't know. I don't really know why. I, never, I ran 235, which I think was still good, um, but I think I should have been able to run faster. It just, it wasn't coming over the years, um, and I, I don't know. I don't really know why, so it's, I do think in some ways I ran as fast as I could, just because uh, I don't consciously know what I could have done differently but I also have seen glimpses and 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 had every coach I've had has been like you haven't run as fast as you can run but I don't know maybe I have I don't know
1: (laughs) what what did within your mind like if you ran the perfect marathon do you think you're capable of a 230
0: I think honestly probably not I think I could have run maybe a 232 or 233 but I think that would have been like kind of the fastest I could run, um, which kind of ultimately is what led to my decision just to, to move on. Because even if I did run that, that's, it's fast and respectable, but in terms of like us distance running, it, it wouldn't have really mattered. Um, so I kind of didn't see the point, which sounds maybe stupid, but it just, I felt like I was going to have to do things differently and maybe even work harder to run that time, even if I was capable of it. But at the end of the day, it probably wasn't going to change like the, the trajectory of my life. And I was kind of yeah. ready to move on with my career and I'm um, going back to school and all that so
1: so you weren't willing to alter everything about you f- to shave 3 minutes off your marathon time which I know at your level's a huge amount but I mean the requirements of of shaving 3 minutes at your level is like you have to totally modify your whole life
0: Exactly I mean, exactly
1: So where were you mentally at that point I mean were you ready to just like put your shoes back in the box and, and move on from running or, or where were you?
0: Yeah, it was frustrating because I was, I, I still liked to go for runs at the end of the day. Like I wasn't, I, I knew I would never be the kind of person who would be done competing and would just stop running, which some people do. Um, they like competing, you know, they like racing, maybe not so much the running and training. And I think it was almost the opposite. Um, in racing, it got to the point where I didn't want to be there and it stressed me out and I wasn't having fun, which was not normal for me. Usually I'm pretty like relatively like relaxed and low key and it was just, it wasn't even nerves. It was literally just, I don't want to be at this meet anymore. And, and like you said, my life had been so structured for so many years and to get better, I was going to have to, you know, take more naps and take more vitamins and train just exactly the right way and go run all the races that I run every year. And it was just like monotonous and not exciting and just, dull. And I think I was just kind of ready to be done.
1: So, I mean, tell me more about that. I mean, how did you make the decision to, to alter your course?
0: Yeah, I was sitting actually in a tiny little diner in Portland, (laughs) eating pancakes by myself. Um, I had run the 10 K the night before and I had four years earlier had qualified for the trials at that same race. And that the night before I had run like, over a minute slower. Like it was awful. And I was just like, what am I doing? Like I'm, you know, almost 30 years old. Why am I doing this to myself? It's not fun. I didn't even want to be here at this race. Um, let's just move on. Like, I know I have other things that I want to accomplish. And my friend, uh, Matt Daniels, I don't know if you've had him on here, if you've talked to him, but, not yet. um, so he, he was running the mountain champs. I think it was maybe two or three weeks later. And, he texted me and I was like, Nah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not running anymore. And he's like, Just you know, just come out and run this race. You like running on the trails, you know? Just do it for fun and end on a high note. End on something fun rather than feeling bummed out like you're feeling right now. And I was like, All right, it's two more weeks of training, whatever. Um, so I kind of just ran between. I think I did one workout with him um, and then went there and had a blast and I won and it felt natural and it felt right and it was fun and it wasn't stressful and kind of just changed the course of my life, honestly.
1: You just, on a whim, signed up for the U.S. Mountain Championships after, you know, being in the doldrums, and I, I can't fathom, like, you just, you found your niche, apparently.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's like a distance. totally, how, what was the distance of that race?
0: Oh, uh, it was a 10K, so, you know, okay. I was in shape, it wasn't like I wasn't in shape, or like I hadn't been training, I had been, but... But
1: compared Um, to the track itself, like... It's different. It's very different. Slightly different setup there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, like you said, it felt natural. Um, Whereas running fast on the track, like, it never felt natural. It always felt like something I was trying to force and something that my body wasn't necessarily made to do, but I was making it do. Um, And ever since I've done mountain and trails, it's just almost like, oh, this is what my body was made to do. Like, this is so much easier for me. It just comes so much more naturally.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel that way, and I'm probably five minutes behind you per mile, Um, (laughs) (laughs) and I I still feel that same exact way. I think that's why the trail running community and ultra running community is, like, such a close-knit group, because we all have that same fundamental, like, belief. Like, we're we're meant to be out here. Like, this is the only place in the world we're supposed to be right here at this point, and... um, we might not be blazing new course records but i think fundamentally we we all think that same exact thought
0: oh yeah i i was even telling claire the other day i was like you know you go run an olympic trials on the track and everyone's like staring you down before and it's just like so intense and so competitive and like i'm going to rip you apart on this race but you go to a trail race like The mountains, the competition Or the distance is the competition, you know, I might cover it or I might, you know, battle the mountain better than someone else, but I'm not out there trying to do anything other than just like take it to the mountain or take it to the trail or the distance. So it's just, it's not this, it's not this mentality of like, let's destroy each other out here. It's like, Hey, we're all trying to do something really crazy, maybe borderline stupid right now. So I really support you that you're out here with me because this is going to be gnarly. So can I, okay,
1: Claire, Claire might kill me for telling you this, but, um, day before the race we were all chatting and you were kind of like the talk of our the little the little group there like claire's a huge fan of yours she was amazed that you're gonna do leadville following that never summer race like
0: well it could be it could be a dumb plan we don't know yet
1: (laughs) it could be either genius or dumb but i mean um she, I mean, you're you're talking about the previous, like, last year's winner of CCC, which is for the 100K distance, like, D race, and uh, yeah, you have a lot of fans, so I think it's really cool, like, it speaks highly of the community, like, we, we all support each other so much. Um, how did you follow up the U.S. Mountain Championship race? Like, were you on ultra sign-up the next day, or what was going on?
0: No, not really. <laughs> I, I, uh... I guess I went to the world champs. Um, and then I did, what did I do next? I did the Moab marathon that fall, that okay. November. Um, and I ended up winning that too, which it, wow. I, I didn't know the people in it then, but now looking back, I am like, ah, oh, that was actually a pretty competitive race. Um, but I think it also was just suited for what I was coming from. It's a pretty runnable course. Um, and I was still kind of coming off of being, you know, I ran the Olympic trials, uh, marathon that February before. So I, it, none of this is like I wasn't training. you know I was very fit. Um,
1: yeah, you you were in almost peak form, it seems like. I mean, not necessarily your ten k pr peak, but um, it seems like it was a good transition though into ultra running. Like tell me how did you pick formidable for your first ultra? Oh
0: God, I kind of forgot about that race. that was <laughs> that was um that probably if I could pick one race in the last few years that I really did poorly, like just did not run the right way, it would be that race. Um, I don't know. I think, I think it was the U S champs that year. I think that was one reason. Um, it was also supposed everything I was doing early on. I was intentionally choosing pretty runnable courses just because I, I didn't have a ton of experience, uh, being, you know, on courses like never summer. Like I wanted places where I could (laughs) run because I was, you know, at that time still good at running, I mean, formidable, it is a good course, but the year just happened to be uh, the year that there was so much rain. So the course was just, like, so sloppy and muddy, which made it really slow. Um, I was still in the mindset of, like, why would I ever stop at an aid station? Like, I'm running a race. I'm not going to stop. And so I just didn't take take any fuel during the whole race and ended up walking the last three miles because I just completely bonked. So that was a good experience, but it wasn't fun.
1: Yeah, I mean – you know what's cool is we can all relate to you on that. Like our first ultras. Like no one runs a good first ultra unless you're like complete freak of nature or lucky, honestly. So I I like that your first ultra was kind of a bad experience in a weird way. Like it makes you relatable. Um I know my first 50k was rainy Athens Ohio Thunder Bunny 50k. And it took me like seven and a half hours to do a oh to do a fifty k so um yeah, your four and a half hours seems like pretty solid relatively speaking um
0: <laughs> but I mean, keep in mind that was still like at that time quite a bit longer than I'd ever run before,
1: yeah so well i that's also another like aspect of you that I respect a ton is. You're, like, you're not willing to, like, you're not scared to just, like, stick your neck out and do something that's hard. Like, you just, you and I don't know you very well yet, and you just seem like the type of person that will just be willing to, like, get after it. And, like, if you fail, you're like, who cares? Like, I'll just try something different or try it again. Like, is that a pretty good description of your, like, personality? and?
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say... Maybe not traditionally, but I I kind of think you have to feel like that to be in the sport because even if you've run a 50K or a 50 miler before or 100K before, like every course comes with some kind of crazy challenge that you probably haven't prepared for or maybe didn't even know about. So if you're not willing to like try something with the understanding that you don't know at least like 30% of what you're getting yourself into, then you probably shouldn't be running ultras or or trail races in my opinion. Um, To me, that's part of the fun, honestly.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree, and for you, I think signing up for a 50K was probably, like, in the back of your mind, scary, because, and I I don't want to segue into this um, and and overly focus on it, but it seems like none of the previous interviews that I've come across, um, and you've only done, what, one podcast interview before? Yep, yep. Reading your blogs, like, I felt like I got to know you better. It sounds really weird, but um, in one of your entries, I think it was, like, 2016 at Expose, like, kind of, it was shocking, because I I didn't know your story. Like, no one had mentioned this, you know, before, and, like, you know, I just, I knew you were a super talented runner, and everyone in the community was, you know, speaking highly of you, and going into Never Summer, like, you just we'll talk more about that race but um I mean how how was it clicking on the button like post for that blog entry and expose
0: um it was honestly kind of liberating um I felt like in some ways that was kind of at least part of what was making me so unhappy when I was still racing on the track and um doing all that stuff because this was kind of going on. and you know, I was dealing with this this topic of, you know, wanting to be more open about my sexual orientation, but being a North Carolina girl coming from a very conservative family where that's not really okay, um, which, to be honest, in hindsight, my family was great and awesome. I probably should have given them more credit or had more faith, but you know, it was the secret that I was keeping and had been keeping for many years. and um, I think just the weight of that, was definitely impacting my running and making me feel like definitely affecting my confidence, but I also just didn't feel like myself and I didn't feel like I was being authentic. Um, and something, something clicked when I started doing mountain and trails, because as an athlete, I felt like I also was kind of an imposter, you know, trying to run track and, <laughs> and, and be this athlete that I wanted to be, or that I thought I wanted to be that, but that I wasn't. And I was trying to like, you know, fit a round peg into a square hole and then you know I'm running these races and I'm like this is where I'm supposed to be like this is what I was made to do I feel that way I know that and it's clicking finally after you know 17 years and it was just kind of the inspiration I needed to be like okay I need to be like myself and I need to be open about the things I've been struggling with and be open about um these these secrets I've had for a really long time if I'm ever going to be kind of free from the weight of it um and ever since then it's just like insane how much more success I've had and how much happier I've been. And, you know, every, I've never had one person react in a negative way. So it makes me feel like I should have had more, more fate than mankind. But, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question.
1: No, I, I just wasn't sure how nervous you were when you clicked post. Like I knew it was liberating for you. Cause I, I read it somewhere. Like you had mentioned it, there's, it was, it was liberating and I mean, the irony of, of the fact that it was a weight off your shoulder, like, you know, as a runner. Um, but like, I really sensed that and I just thought it was, it was amazing. I mean, truly like the fact that you just went for it, um, and I can pick up on your results. Like, you know, you're not running marathon, you know, type runs to try to qualify for the Olympics anymore, or are you?
0: No, um, God, no. <laughs>
1: but it, it seems like, honestly, if you had hit post five years prior, like, I think you would have hit that 232 time. Like, it, it truly just, I could sense, uh, just looking through results and, and some of your updates and everything, that it was, like, a huge burden off you. And it's it's really quite amazing. Um. So, I mean, I'm sure signing up for your first 50K, you're like, oh, shit, well this is nothing. Like I can, I can totally like have a bad race here and like, that's no weight comparable to what you've been living with. Um, you know, going through what you have gone through.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I actually, I'm trying to remember, I think I'm pretty sure I posted that at Pike's peak. I had just run the half, the ascent, the half marathon. Um, and I do remember being there like, well, We'll see what comes of this that was pretty scary but I just felt like it needed to be done and ironically enough the the first message I, and I just wanted to see if I could reach other people because for whatever reason uh, this is one reason why I'm going into you know the mental health field and sports psychology is athletes are you're kind of supposed to keep some things like you know grin and bear it if there's some things going on like that's okay but you need to just leave it at home when you come to practice or when you come to races and I don't know if I agree with that. And I had been doing that for so long that I wanted to kind of be like, no, like I'm laying, I'm airing my dirty laundry. Like this is what's been going on with me. And hopefully it'll reach someone else. And, you know, within an hour I got a message from, um, someone who I had made, uh, a U.S. team with a few years before. And she said, you know, I've been struggling with the same thing and it's been really hard. And it's actually the reason I quit running. And ironically enough, she's now my partner and lives here in Colorado and is an amazing runner and, you know, pacing me for the last 30 miles of Leadville. So, um, changed my nice. life in, in more ways than one to, to post that. So, just
1: that's really you know, cool. Can,
0: yeah, kind of ironic.
1: I was wondering if you had a pacer for the end of Leadville. I was, I was a little concerned there. Like, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, have two, I
0: have two people, two people coming out.
1: So. Oh, cool. Um, well, that's awesome. And I mean, if we impact one or two of the listeners, then I think it was incredibly well worth it and i just i appreciate you being so open about it and um yeah i'm i'm glad we were able to to talk about it and obviously mental health awareness is a big deal for me uh just tommy Byrne, a good friend of mine you know in his charity bigger than the trail he's doing his best to to raise awareness um he he had some uh some I think his father had some major um, problems prior, and and he's been through a lot. And I just admire the fact that he was able to start a charity and, and try to help people. And I like that you're spreading um, the word, and And it sounds like that's what you're studying. Um, are you doing a master's program right now, or...?
0: Uh, yeah, so I'm currently at um, University of Denver in a, in a master's program for sports psychology. Um, but So I, I do want to do like performance work with athletes, but um, my plan is to get my doctorate actually in counseling psychology um, and to, to focus on the mental health side, but uh, kind of specializing in mental health with athletes is my goal, my hope. That's awesome.
1: That's awesome. And we all struggle with stuff. I mean, whether you hear me talk about it or not, I mean... I, I battle things every now and then I, I get the post-race blues um, just as much as anyone. And uh, I, I don't really talk about it on the air here, but I definitely talk to my wife about it. Um, so it's important to find someone to talk to. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. So let's, let's talk more about this amazing, you found your niche and you start just clipping off like, you know, Decent races, and you're not just doing average races. You decide to go for like Zagama with like you know the top mountain runners in the entire world, and you're doing top tens, um, <laughs> and you're like two minutes away from being top five. Like, so you're just super liberated, and and uh, it seems to have affected your training, which has led into your results. Is that safe to say?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say if I had to, if I was speaking specifically about Zagama, I would, I think it's, it's um, flattering that you think I was just like bold and was ready to go for it, and it was actually just <laughs> ignorance, and I had no idea what Zagama was until I got there, and then I was like, oh shit. <laughs> um, so that race, they kicked my butt, and that is a that's a different world over there. So that was very humbling.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think even if you know what you're getting into and you go over there, you're still like, oh, shit. Like, what have I gotten myself into? Um, And you had a a really good showing at Behind the Rocks, 50 miler. That's not an easy race. I did the 50K there before. And uh, I mean, was that like your longest run to date at that point doing a 50 miler?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I was right in the middle of grad school when I was training for that. So I I didn't train as much as I wanted to. Um, And I think I got in, I think a 30 miler before. Um, But I was lucky enough, Courtney was there. um, And she took me under her wing for the first like 35 miles until she laid the hammer down. But (laughs) I remember, I remember we crossed 30 miles. And I was like, Courtney, this is like, every step I take for the next 20 miles will be the longest I've ever run. And she's like that's awesome! I'm like, is it awesome? I don't know if it's awesome. I'm actually really scared right now. So she kind of coached me through it and talked to me off the ledge a few times.
1: I remember exactly where I was having that exact thought (laughs) during Mohican 50-miler. That's such a memorable experience. And Quad Rock, I mean, you're like borderline rock climbing for part of that race. Um, So you followed that up with Quad Rock and this race I mean uh, a buddy of mine Dave did this race and said that it was a total total mud fest so like it was formidable part two right
0: it was bad yeah it was um (laughs) it I I liked the course and I you know the year before I know it was pretty quick and um I felt like on a good like on a good weather day I could have done like run pretty fast there but it was just like a slop fest it was so 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 muddy so um, it definitely was, it was, it took a lot out of you. It took a lot of effort. So how
1: did how did it feel to win that?
0: Oh, it was good. It was my, yeah, that was my first, uh, win in like an ultra distance. Um, I felt way better than I felt it behind the rocks. So that was kind of encouraging. And I, I knew I was doing Leadville at that point. So I was kind of trying to get a few more longer races under my belt. Um, so it was definitely a confidence booster.
1: That's a big race right there. I mean, a lot of people like uh, the, the year prior, I was there, I was going to race or run, um, and then I had some kind of minor injury, but I was still there, and the women's field seemed to have used that race for like a Western States tune-up, so you'll see a that, lot of yeah, yeah, that race was
0: so competitive the year before. Was, I was looking at that beforehand, and it was like, I that's a very, very good field.
1: I I It kills me, because I started taking pictures, and then I did video at the end of that race, and... Uh, Anna May and and everyone, like, I think Casey was there. It was such a close finish, but um, that had to be an uplifting kind of long, longer race. And so you use that essentially as a Leadville training run?
0: Yeah, I just wanted to have some more longer races under my belt. Um, At Behind the Rocks, I was pretty apprehensive and was more doing it. Like, let me get through my first 50. And then I wanted to run a race where I was like racing 50. So I was kind of pushing the whole, the whole time in quad rock and trying to make it a hard effort.
1: Was that a, well, I mean, I guess it, it doesn't matter if it was a course record. I mean, it
0: was, it was not. No, so um, muddy. There's no
1: way it it was probably a course record. Right.
0: No, but I remember thinking Marianne Hogan actually has the course record for both Behind the Rocks and Quad Rocks, so I was kind of comparing the two, and I I think I was a a lot closer at Quad Rocks, which was good. I was
1: comparing the two of you. I'm not going to lie, because Marianne Hogan had some pretty good success at Silver Rush 50 in Leadville, and uh, (laughs) yeah, if she comes back to do some uh, Colorado racing, yeah, I actually literally – that's what I thought when I pulled up your ultra sign up. I was like, this is a Marianne Hogan like build. Um and she's had good success at Leadville. So Never Summer, how did I mean, did you just catch the bug for the NAR runner <laughs> events? And, and <laughs> Nick probably just swooned you in and
0: Yeah, I mean they put cool on guy. they put on great races, that's for sure. Um I think mostly I just I wanted to stay local. Um I've been going up to Leadville a lot the whole summer. Um, so I just, I didn't want to travel for a hundred K, but I've been told by multiple people that if you can, it would be smart to do, to do hundred K before your, your hundred mile just to kind of crack that 50 mile distance, um, mentally. And I knew it was a little close, uh, three weeks is, I would rather it have been like five maybe, but I didn't want to, tr- I didn't want to travel. And, you know, I consulted a few people and talked to Courtney about it and, um, Seemed like if I was smart and I didn't try and absolutely crush it, that it, it would be a good tune-up race for Leadville.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I I know Claire was almost using it as a tune-up for possibly Europe. I don't know if if that's um, still on her radar or not. But um, so did you? I mean, how did how did this race go for you? Because this is an intimidating race. I've done I don't know like five hundred Ks or something like that, and this race is like legit. You know, it's – you don't get an easy – you get maybe two or three easy miles of the 65. Um, like how, how were you mentally going into this race? Because you probably had to sleep in your car or, or a log cabin or something.
0: Oh, yeah. I actually bought, like, a little a little camper this summer as a, a business investment in training nice. for Leadville. So, so I got a good night's sleep. Um, um, I honestly was – approaching it more as as like a dress rehearsal for for Leadville I wasn't rested at all I think I ran 137 miles the week before um but I mainly wanted to practice my nutrition practice carrying you know more stuff that I would need and just just use it to be out there for a really long time in a, a supported way rather than going and doing a long training run of my own so that was kind of my main focus for it was just do everything right, carry all the right fuel, you know, get everything down that I need to get down and, and just feel, like, super prepared for Leadville coming out of it.
1: I feel guilty sometimes using 50Ks, like, as training runs, but, like, the logistics of trying to do your own drop bags and, like, the safety of being out in the wild by yourself for, like, a you know, ridiculous hours. Um, I found, like, I found races are really great to layer on top of each other for, know getting to that goal race so it sounds like you kind of have concluded the same thing probably in a lot less time um than it took me to figure (laughs) it out um so were you so you're just looking at this as like a tune-up i just that's hard to believe throwing down a course record um what what's what are some of your memories of that race? Because it seemed like I knew where the lead pack was, wherever the storm cloud was and wherever the rain was coming down. Um, like were you, was the weather an issue at all for you throughout the race?
0: Uh, it definitely didn't like bother me or slow me down. I think there were some times when I was like, you know, there was lightning coming down and I'm like, um, are we supposed to stop? Like, do we, do I just keep running? Like, is this safe? Um, but it never got too bad. Um, but yeah, it's a hard course, like you said, and I don't think I don't think I really realized that. I mean, I looked at the elevation and all that, but it's mostly the terrain. It's it's the terrain was tough, and with some of the rain coming down, you know, there was some marshy areas and like kind of swampy areas that are a little bit annoying when you've already covered 50 plus miles. Um, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I don't know. I felt really good the whole time, honestly, and I never felt like I bonked. Um, I think I was running like you know 730s or 740s at the end there on that little that little path,
1: which I saw was a really good sign. Um, I was, I was throwing down thirteens. Watch out, <laughs> watch out. <laughs> um, but, but. The, uh, the unmarked sections of trails were really hard. Cause it was like, watch every footstep. Um, you know, you could have some serious problems. I think, I think honestly, never summer, you're going to be like refreshed to go to Leadville cause you actually know where you're going. And, I heard, yeah, I
0: heard that. There were yeah. several people that told me that actually, that, that, uh, never summer is harder than Leadville. So <laughs> I'm counting on that being true. <laughs> I,
1: I, I threw out the idea of the, uh, what was it? The, the Leadman Gnar slam where you do like all the Gnar races and Leadman in the same year. Oh gosh. I don't know if it's been done before. I might <laughs> I have to dig more into it. Um, not to get sidetracked, how was North diamond for you? Because I try to articulate this and it's hard to kind of like put into words going up North diamond. I mean, was that, how was that 0.9 miles for you?
0: You know, honestly coming from my first year or so being mostly focused on, um, kind of uphill races. I actually love climbing and I feel like that's what I'm the strongest at. Um, I used poles for the first time on that, simply just to like kind of save my legs for for later in the race. I had never even used poles before, so I was very glad that I brought them. Um, I love that, and I don't know if I don't know if I love that kind of climb in the middle of a hundred k, but I would say you know if I had to pinpoint one kind of running I like the most, it's really steep climbs like that. So I kind of was actually really enjoying myself on on Diamond.
1: Oh More man. Thin. C C C is calling your name, and UTMB. Yeah. Oh gosh, you're going to be a European racer. Um, that's awesome, and that's that's like mile 20. That wasn't the middle. Um, that was definitely towards the front. Yeah, uh, yeah. What what other like notable, just memories do you have from that race?
0: Um. I thought it was really cool just how varying the terrain is i felt you know like you're you're up on that peak where it's very exposed but then you're also like in some really nice wooded areas and then you're kind of in some i don't know cow pastures or whatever those (laughs) things were and it's just it it, it kept me engaged because it was so different the whole time um and i never had a pace i'd never run a race long enough to have a pacer so that was really cool just to to be able to experience that and see how much of a benefit it is to have someone jump in with you at the end. Um, so that was p- pretty memorable.
1: It's so, I do so much better when I have a pacer in a race, just cause it's like, I have something to look forward to. Like, don't totally kill yourself before you get to like, Dave took his whole day to be out there for me. I was like, the least I can do is show up for the guy. Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's cool though. That was your first pacer ever. Huh?
0: Yeah. And she, uh, she, she, we, for whatever reason, we were like a hundred percent convinced that Claire was like hawking me down at the end there. So, uh, she was like making me run when I was ready to be, she's like, you, we're going to get hawked down by Claire. You got to keep moving. So I don't think I would have run as fast at the end if I didn't have a pacer there kicking me in the butt every time I wanted to stop and walk.
1: Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. And congrats on that. That's, that's a huge follow up to quad rock and you'll probably have to throw down for, I think their half marathon, um, did you do the race before Quad Rock? I'm trying to remember Nar Runners does like four events a year, right?
0: Isn't it like Black Squirrel or something squirrel? Yeah. Does that sound right? No, yeah. I didn't do that one. I've just done the, the Quad Rock in Never Summer.
1: Okay, cool. Um, so why did Leadville come up on your radar? Was it you wanted to stay local again or, or what was the logic in putting, you know, a whole years worth of effort into this hundred miler?
0: Oh God! I don't think I decided to race that until like January, February. So it definitely okay. hasn't been hasn't been a year in the making. So half year, yeah. Um, I think there's several reasons. I think, kind of what we talked about. I I had considered um, run rabbit run um, for obvious reasons because the price the prize purse just draws you in, and then I immediately realized that that was what was drawing me in, and that it might not be the smartest one for my first one. Um, I definitely didn't want to do Western as my first one. Um, it just seems seems like it would be a lot to, to bite off for your first one. And so it kind of only left a few. And when I started to think about it, um, when I first moved to Colorado, I, I'm i not one of those people that like grew up skiing and mountaineering and in the mountains. I, I grew up in North Carolina, so I had never done anything like the stuff I'm doing now. Um, and my first camping trip with some friends just happened to be at Twin Lakes in Leadville, and it was kind of where I felt like I fell in love with the mountains. Um, we hiked Mount Albert and just was, like, amazed at this new place that I was living. In. And so once I kind of connected those two, it just seemed right. It just seemed like it, the thing I needed to do was go back, you know, to the first place I ever went here and, and run my first 100.
1: That's huge, having, having like, a deeper meaning to a race. I think when it comes to mile 75 or whatever, you'll it'll, it'll definitely have that extra, you know, kick to it um having that much extra meaning and so let's let's talk Leadville 100 I mean do you are you watching the competition are you like hitting refresh and seeing who's who you're going to be up against I I would assume if you're um uh, you know a fairly competitive runner you're watching your competition just to kind of formulate a game plan
0: um I have no idea who else is running, so if anybody does, I would love to know. <laughs> so I would love to know who's racing, but I don't. I haven't seen any list, or I don't really know where you look for that. So I, I don't even know who else is racing. Um, to be honest.
1: Okay. Uh, um, I I um, honestly I think Leadville like puts out a press release like probably the day before or something goofy. Um, it, it would only be someone actually mentioning it probably at this point. Uh. That.
0: It's, so that's, that's good. I'll know the day before who I'm racing. Yeah. but That's, that's yeah. fine. That's good.
1: I mean, it's not like you can really modify too much. Um, and so how are you going to handle, you know, racing at altitude? Because, I mean, you've proven yourself at Never Summer to be a good runner at altitude. Like, do you have a game plan? Like, how altitude is going to affect you during this race?
0: Um, I've spent a decent amount of time up there. The last few months I've made at least... maybe three or four trips up there and I'm actually leaving again tomorrow and we'll basically be up there between now and the race um living out of my camper um just to kind of adjust to that I haven't I haven't had a lot of trouble with it to be honest um it notoriously I don't usually handle altitude really well if I'm running hard you know the times I've run pike's peak ascent I've gotten like pretty sick afterwards but that's you know running kind of as hard as you can for two and a half hours so the slower paces have been fine so far and other than maybe having to, to really monitor my hydration, um, that's obviously a factor. Is you know being higher up like that, but yeah, you know, knock on wood. So far, I haven't had any issues.
1: I mean, if you wanna course mark power line with me, feel free. Because you'll be done, and then you can come back up, and then I never have to do the power line section. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'd be quite helpful. Do my job. Yeah. Do my job yeah. for me.
0: I went and ran that uh, a couple of weeks ago and I can definitely see how that's a tough spot coming up whatever mile it is, but I know it's late in the race. It's a
1: tough spot coming up when it's mile six or seven. Yeah, it Um, is. It is. Yeah. Mile 80 or whatever. That's, it's definitely, it crushes a lot of people. Um, And so I'm just trying to think of other like notable questions for Leadville. I mean, you seem to have nailed hydration and nutrition at Never Summer I mean, what are you doing with, with race nutrition? Are you like, what's your kind of routine? Are you eating a pre-race meal? Um, how often while you're running are you hitting a gel or or whatever method you're using? And then kind of just walk me through recovery meals.
0: Yeah. Um, for this race, I kind of had a plan to try and get in, you know, like close to 200 calories per hour. Um, and, the way that I made that easy on myself is I knew uh, the crew stations that I was going to be at, so between each station, I just kind of loaded myself up with everything that I needed to get through between then and the next crew station and just made it my goal to, like, eat and drink everything that was on me, um, and that worked really well because I think I wasn't sitting there trying to do the math in my head on how much I'd eaten or how many calories I'd taken in or how much I had to drink, um, oh,
3: there's and no I, way. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So it, it went really smoothly. I didn't have any stomach issues. Um, I made some terrible decisions the next 24 hours. So it was funny that you asked about recovery meals. I basically, as soon as I crossed the finish line, I stopped making smart decisions. And I don't think I had any water for the next 24 hours. I was just like beer that night and then Red <laughs> Bull the next morning. And I actually ended up getting really sick um, two days later and had nice. some, li- some liver issues. So not ideal.
1: I mean, it sounds like uh, a, a college Addy-type decision-making, or at least college me making exactly. beer, beer and Red yeah. Bull decisions.
0: So. As soon as you cross the finish line, no more smart decisions are made, so I don't know. Hey, Hopefully at, least, I... at
1: least there wasn't a campfire involved. Typically, <laughs> yeah. there's a campfire at the end of that race. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And, uh, yeah, it gets wild. Um, <laughs> did you eat food at all?
0: Um, I eat a lot of, like, M&Ms and Snickers and that kind of thing um, savory wise I think I had like one I don't know if you saw them. they had like the little avocado and cheese roll-ups and the, those are pretty good and yeah. um, they had bacon at one of the mile marks which is like easily my favorite food so I had a few strips of that when I saw that
1: nice yeah mile 40 I think yeah or, I think it yeah, was yeah yeah, yeah whatever it
0: that, that the out, and back, out and back
1: area I don't want to get sidetracked what did you think of that out and back section that two and a quarter up and two and a quarter down, no problem, right?
0: It felt like it just kept going. I was like, <laughs> man, like, wait, two and a quarter miles? I've been going up for like 40 minutes. <laughs> I know. I was like
1: zombie hiking. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. I was bonking so hard, and then you can't even crush the downhill either, right? No, I mean, you
0: really can't, no. Oh, I was, that was so torturous.
1: Section. Um. Okay, I don't want to get sidetracked. Did you? Do you eat, like, watermelon or pickles or when you're going through an aid station, have you reached the point where you're like, you see the matrix and your body's honed in or are you staying disciplined to what you just, you know, keep to that regimen?
0: Yeah, I haven't, I honestly haven't had many issues at all. I don't, I didn't take a lot from the aid stations. Um, okay. Other than what I said, yeah, I think I've been lucky and I, I watched my sodium. Um, I, I haven't gotten to the point yet where I was like super craving something. I will say that towards the end, I kind of stopped eating just knowing I was almost done. And I remember yeah. being like a mile from the finish line and just saying out loud, like, I'm so hungry. Like, I'm actually just hungry right now. I want some food, like solid food. I
1: Yeah, I have a bad habit of like, okay, there's only 10 miles left. Like, I can manage to get home. And my races would be so much better if just like within that time period I threw in a gel or something. Um, so race morning, uh, Never Summer has that awesome – breakfast did you go through the breakfast line like i'm just interested to know more about your food um the,
0: di- the day before or the day the day after, after.
1: yeah in the we morning got, yeah
0: we got in line but that line was so long i, I stepped out of it pretty quickly and was like ah, i'm done
1: oh the pancakes are so. so good yeah okay. I did. um
0: maybe maybe if i had done that i wouldn't have had a uh, liver issues the next day so
1: yeah i would have shared my pancakes come on abby <laughs> I was I was going to come over and take a picture of you guys at that finish line photo. So oh, yeah, you tell should've. tell me about the liver issue. Like what's what's going on with that?
0: Oh, it's totally fine now. It was okay. just uh yeah, I think just recovering and not not hydrating after I like I said I basically like, you know, had a beer and then went to bed for 9 hours and didn't drink anything and then got up and had a Red Bull and by the time I got home I was like I haven't had anything to drink besides, you know, very oh, bad things to be drinking right now and just got a little sick but um it it passed quickly and I've been fine the the last few days and felt like my legs felt great so recovery wise I felt really good this week
1: so I'm gonna switch switch gears really quick and again I appreciate you taking so much time I I really like your story I think you're gonna motivate a lot of people and I love that you found the trails like you're ready to give up and you found the trails and it's like reignited this passion and you're crushing it you're truly truly crushing it and if you make it to states oh my gosh it's it's going to be fascinating to see how you like it there um let's talk about gear because the most important question i ever ask an athlete is toe socks or no toe socks (laughs)
0: I've never worn toe socks. So I guess no toe socks. (laughs)
1: So you think I'm a weirdo because I use toe socks. Okay. No, it it makes sense
0: to me. It does make sense to me.
1: What kind of socks do you wear?
0: Um, I usually wear stance socks.
1: Okay. And do you like lube the toes up before you throw them in your sock or do you just put your sock on and run?
0: Um, I just put my sock on and run, but I also like to tell everyone that I'm just ignorant, so don't necessarily do the things I do because I do them. It's just I don't know any better. So, looping your toes might be a great thing. Maybe I should try that.
1: I mean, it only took me like two years of horrible blisters to figure out. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know, probably 13 ultras. Um, what shoes do you wear?
0: Um, I in Never summer I wore the Salomon um, Sense Ultras, but I think for Leadville I'll be running the, uh, running the Sense Rides.
1: Okay. Again, Marianne Hogan. That's what I'm thinking of. It's weird how how uh, similar you guys are. And, and do you wear any kind of compression socks or shorts no. or anything?
0: No. Honestly, I've kind of kept it pretty simple.
1: What kind of vest? Do you wear a vest or do you just do handhelds?
0: Uh, I do a vest, yeah. I, I, I haven't been able to get myself to like the handhelds. Um. So I just do one of the Solomon um, Sense Vests. They're super comfortable. You hardly know they're there, so...
1: Do you have like a go-to uh, pair of sunglasses, hats, like anything else, like a, a watch?
0: Um, I always wear my Suunto, so I always have that on. I usually have a hat on just, again, like being out there all day and being in Colorado for a lot of these races. It's like could be blazing sunshine one minute and pouring rain the next. So I definitely, you know, usually have a hat and um, maybe like a little light jacket or something Most most times I'm racing.
1: Is there any piece of gear that you ran an Olympic qualifying event with that you are now utilizing for a hundred K and beyond?
0: Mm. No. Nothing? None.
1: So it's all it's all shifted from probably Nike Nike Elite, Nike Pro Gear to <laughs> um, Solomon and Yeah I ran, for, and,
0: well, I ran not, for Brooks for a few years, Brooks, so it was okay. mostly Brooks stuff and then uh yeah, Solomon's completely different, so
1: I just, I had to throw it in there. And so what motivates you? Because to get up and have your discipline, what's the driving force behind your training right now?
0: Um, I think, I think it's a mixture of wanting, you know, wanting to see what I can do and feeling like I was describing earlier, like I'm, I'm finally doing the kind of running that I truly think my body was meant to do. Um, I, I, do wish in some ways I'd found it earlier just because I don't know, things could, I could accomplish more than maybe I will with the time I have left, but it's also just, I just enjoy it. And my life is really crazy and busy right now. And this past year I was you know in grad school and commuting to Denver from where I live in Longmont and coaching, uh, head coaching at a high school. So running was like training was, was my time in the day for myself. And, um, I treated it that way and, I never looked at it as something stressful or something I had to do. So, um, it was just, it was something every day that I got to do for myself. Um, and that's driven kind of a lot of, a lot of what I've done lately is just wanting to have this, this one thing that's still mine.
1: So I got to ask you with your training, I know each event's different. Um, with the marathon, if I want to qualify for the Olympic marathon, um, I know there's pretty much a 0% chance but what what one training concept is going to get me to uh you know get faster in the marathon and then what one training run is going to help me win never summer next year because I'm going to come back
0: <laughs> um I think my answer would be the same but they're very different As I the long runs honestly so you know I, in some ways like running a marathon on the road fast to me is way more painful than some of these races I've done. And, um, the coach I was with Brad Hudson is one of his secret, I guess, recipes for marathon training is you just, you nail these tempos, um, up to, I think the longest one I ever did was 20 miles at marathon pace. Um, so, you know, by the time you go into the marathon, you've already done 20 miles at six minute pace or under six minute pace or whatever it is. And it kind of gives you this confidence, 12 minute pace, 12 minute pace. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then the same thing, it's the same concept I think for these longer runs is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go out and run 64 miles before never summer, but you know, nailing two back to back five hour runs or something like that gives me that same confidence of like, well, I've been out there for that long. I've been, um, you know, I've gotten that out of my body before or at least something similar to it. Yeah. So just, just the long runs are, are always kind of vital to me in, in both instances.
1: I mean that that sixty five mile sixty five mile long run you just did probably uh is giving giving you a pretty good boost to confidence going into Leadville. That's for sure. Are you are you still feeling positive, like mentally? Do you feel like you're capable of winning the Leadville hundred miler?
0: Oh, I mean, of course, I think I'm capable of it. I think there's probably multiple people that are capable of it uh, on that day. So um, that you, doesn't mean I,
1: You believe you can do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe I can do it right now. I just hope I believe I can do it at mile 85 or 90. Um, and that doesn't mean I will. I think, you know, that's the beauty of the hundred is there's so many factors that come into play that on any day, there's probably three or four or five people that, that are capable of winning. Um but there's a lot of factors that are going to come into play. So I think I'm physically as prepared as I can be. And that might land me, you know, a, a win. And it might land me just finishing under 30 hours. I'm not sure.
1: I mean, you. it, it sounds to me like you've run like 30 hundred milers. That's awesome. Like truly, uh, you have so much experience with that distance, it seems like. But you. this is your first 100. It's crazy. Um, what's your, your wildest, uh, encounter? Did you, did you come across any wildlife during Never Summer or have you in your training at all?
0: So in Never Summer, I actually am convinced I heard a bear like groaning around in the woods next to me and I actually stopped and waited for the next person to come up behind me because I was scared. I was scared. Um, it probably wasn't a bear. It was probably like a little Amazed. baby deer or something, but <laughs> it sounded like a bear. Um, how long yeah. did you wait? Uh, probably like two or three minutes.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) that's
0: crazy! Um, but yeah, the only animal I've ever had be aggressive towards me was a moose. And I, I did get charged by a, a mama moose with a baby moose and chased me a little bit. So that was a little scary. But other than that, not, I've been pretty lucky.
1: Yeah, that's scary. New, new, I don't know, segment record for that section. I'm guessing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, probably. (laughs) Uh, so I have like two more questions and again, I appreciate all your time here. You know, from a coaching perspective, um, what advice do you have for someone who's done a few marathons and is thinking about taking the leap into that first 50K or 50 miler?
0: Um, Just like training-wise or just in general?
1: In general. I mean, I know you have your coaching background um, and, you know, you do have your experience, I guess. Um, Like, what advice do you have for them?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think... Most people are capable of like far more than they think, especially when it comes to covering distances like that. Um, and it should be exciting. It's an exciting challenge. And I mean, like I said, I think in some ways the physical demands of a fast marathon can almost be, at least more intense maybe um, than some of these longer races. So I know some people just get kind of scared of the of the longer distances. But um, you know, if prepare if you're prepared and you train the right way, then the human body is meant to cover distances like that i think um you know so i think it's exciting to be one of the people that's trying to push the limits and you know you, you you make jokes like 12 minute miles and talking about being middle of the pack but to me like that's far more amazing because i've never run you know i will never run for 30 hours i hope um so to, that kind of blows my mind um so it's all relative oh, and they, <laughs> it's all the, relative, and it's all an accomplishment. 30,
1: just, Thirty-one hours, I think. And that's it was in, a, that's insane. It was a that's DNF. It was a DNF at Run Rabbit Run. It was like the longest I'd ever just been probably awake. Honestly,
0: that's um, crazy to me. Like I can't even comprehend that.
1: Yeah, it it is kind of crazy there towards the end. But your sports psych background, how are you applying what you've learned? Because you're still working towards that degree um, to your actual ultra running, you know, your races.
0: Um, it's helped me a ton, um, just kind of, you know, I'm obviously immersing myself in it as a consultant a practitioner. So I'm not like treating myself, but, um, I, I used to have really bad, like pre-race anxiety before track races or before, um, big road races. And actually my marathon PR, I didn't sleep at all the night before because I was so stressed out. I could, I literally couldn't sleep, which is just like a red flag. Maybe you shouldn't be doing this if this is stressing you out that much. Um, But, but just shifting my perspective on that. And I actually was at a a running camp the other day and someone asked me, you know, do you just not get anxious before races anymore? And I was like, no, I definitely do. But my perception of it has changed where, you know, I used to see, okay, I'm really nervous. I'm like so nervous. I can't sleep. I can't eat. Clearly I'm nervous because I'm not ready or I didn't train hard enough or I'm not going to do well or whatever. And now I view it as like, oh, my body just recognizes that I'm about to throw it, like, through the gauntlet tomorrow, and I would rather it be anxious and hyped up than, you know, ready to take a nap or something, so just kind of, of like, (laughs) shifting my perspective of, like, of course I feel anxious right now. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. My body should be, like, amped up because this is, you know, it's going to be a long day, so um, just having a a healthy perspective with what, you know, with nerves, with anxiousness, with with pre-race stress, but then also just, having a healthy relationship with you know who I am as an athlete and who I am as a person and, and not getting those confused and not getting those two um linked together to where, you know, how I perform starts to affect how I feel about myself as a person. That's not, not an area I want to be in.
1: That's awesome. I'm gonna finish with one last question. Kind of a newer one for me here. Why do you run?
0: Why do I run? Uh I've never not run. I think it's just part of me. It's part of my life and it's always been part of my life. And I think um, it's grounding for me. It's it's grounding. It's a way that I relate to people. It's, you know, a way that I spend time alone. It's a way that I spend time with people I care about. It's just, it's consistent part of my life. And um, yeah, it's just grounding.
1: That's awesome. Addie. thank you so much for taking all this time. Where can people follow you on social media? And I, I have to hear the link to your... YouTube account because I know you're doing some Leadville updates there too
0: yeah um, my Instagram and Facebook are both just Addie Bracey um, and I have a website at peaktraining.online
1: awesome and your YouTube account is just probably just search your name to find your YouTube videos yeah, that's
0: a really good question because I didn't make okay. that account so I should find that out but uh, most of the videos are also posted on my website hey, on my uh, my coaching website you, so. have,
1: you have a subscriber so don't worry <laughs> uh, no, I thought that, that video was cool. Keep those up. That's inspiring. And, uh, you know, best of luck at Leadville. I'm sure I'll see you out there. Have a wonderful race, and I know you're going to crush it. So thanks for joining me.
0: Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Rob.
1: I'm joined here by Mayo Surnick. He runs with Luna Sandals, Lucky Poles, and, you know, Viva Barefoot, I believe. And also joined by... Casey Liktay, you guys might know her. She runs for Ultra. How are you guys doing?
2: Very good. Awesome.
1: I'm I'm excited to have you guys. I mean, I'm getting nervous about flying out to Europe and running in the Alps. So, I tried I tried to get a hold of you guys. It sounds like you had a heck of an experience last year. Um, both doing UTMB. Tell me tell me more how you guys even met because Mayo's a good friend of Michelle Barton and Michelle actually had the idea of having Mayo on and she's traveling due to um, Canadian death race. So she couldn't make mm-hmm. the call. How'd you guys, how'd you guys meet
3: on the UTMB trail?
2: <laughs> yeah, actually
3: it was amazing. <laughs> he saved my race. He saved my day. So I will forever be grateful for him.
2: <laughs> ah, come on now. It's just, I guess, uh you know we we canada and us kind of know each other i guess that scene is kind of kind of big but same time sort of small and i notice uh once you leave from here and you go to europe the europeans are more concerned about their own people like spanish and french and all that so i'm i'm not gonna say they don't know who casey is i i I guess she knows better what kind of attention she uh she pick up on the trail, whatever, but like it was sort of dark already, I think. And I'm running and I see Casey, uh, she wasn't in a very good spot, I mm-hmm. guess, in that moment. And, and nobody pay attention really, you know, and here, I guess, if you see Casey on the trail, like everybody would stop and say, Hey, how are you doing? Like, she's very well known ultra runner. Right. So i oh, just politely sure. ask, yeah. uh, Casey, how are you? And she said, Oh, not very good but at the same time <laughs> she she, uh, she smiled at me and you know like from little bit of tears uh, that smile jumped on instantly i'm like all oh, right well let's run together and we will figure it out and yeah i guess from that point which was fairly early in uh, in the race we we ran the entire race together more or less and finished together which was absolutely fantastic i agree
1: you get to know someone well after sharing <laughs> 10 miles together, let alone, you know, gutting out an ugly UTMB race. I mean, were was this high up when the weather got bad last year that you guys kind of met up and, you know, started yeah. pushing each other forward?
3: Yeah, yeah for, for me, I was having a horrible time. My headlight was, like, shutting off and I was not being able to, like, hike any of the mountain or all at that point and I was oh. struggling and I, I am so grateful he ran up upon me and like, was like, Hey, let's chat. He turned my day around. Cause I, I had a blast the rest of the way.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. That's really yeah, cool. But,
2: you know, funny thing was like, I I think I put some good training for it from my perspective. Like now I know I kind of didn't, but back then I was thinking like, okay, I, I did like a two, Months of solid training for UTMB, and I'm running with Casey, and she's saying, "I didn't train for this. I don't know what I'm doing." She's completely keeping up with me. I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" Here? You know, but that, yeah, it was fantastic. Like, yeah, we, I like, I don't know, like it's just kind of happened. We was in the same pace, and nobody really, uh, yeah. We we pick up Magda also on the way, and Amanda Basham. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, so we, okay. You're yeah. a part
1: of that, that crew. The, you guys got some attention last year. I remember that. Okay. That's really yeah. cool.
2: Yeah. Ladies did fantastic race. I think like, you know, that camaraderie come together and we, yeah, like we didn't really, I don't know, like I don't feel like we planned it to run that way. It's just everybody push a little because like it, I noticed if you're running race by yourself, then you just kind of have those highs and lows and you go with whatever you can deal with. But we was four of us. So four yeah. people have a lows in different time and highs in a different time. And like Amanda was fantastic for downhill running. So she just blasted. And we was thinking, like, oh, okay, we're never going to see her again. And then on the climb, there she is sitting, and she's like, oh, thank God, you guys are again here. You and wake her continue. up. Yeah, we continued together. And, you know, Casey was pushing up hills, and then she was always, okay, Maya, let's run. This is runnable. It's run. i nice. like, oh, I can't run anymore. So you guys were, like,
1: pa- pacing each other almost in a weird sense. And-
2: yeah, yeah, it was a fantastic race.
1: Maya, you you're a lucky man. You know, a lot of people would pay good money to run with those three at UTMB. I mean, that's like a huge experience. That's awesome that you got to take part yeah. in that. And and you turned Casey's race around. It sounds like so. Guys, I'm I'm thir- less than thirty days out. I'm just doing CCC. So I'm just doing I'm doing the tail end of your race that you did. Um. Like, what advice do you have for me? I I am clueless. You know, I've been to Europe once. Um, fill me in. Like, how do you guys handle this? I mean, I know, Casey, your training sometimes is a little unconventional. Mayo, I'm, I don't know your training background that well. Like, what do I need to be doing training-wise? And then what, what should I expect when I land in Geneva and kind of going forward to race day?
3: Definitely you're going to expect a huge Massive people like some that you've never seen before in a race and the mountains are just magnificent you'll never see them anywhere else in the world but my 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 thoughts is that you really need to learn how to hike and hike efficiently because that's mm-hmm. a lot of the race
1: okay mm-hmm. I mean I'm yeah. I'm bringing poles for sure and I got a a taste of some steep stuff but I mean it's I, it's almost hard to train for that type of steepness just cuz you don't find it in many places i mean mayo how, how's your training going
2: like how oh man like yeah i uh you know be honest well let's be honest here like i broke my ankle and this race will be not even nine months after the surgery
1: that's
3: so, amazing
2: uh, if I finish actually this year, I'm gonna i gonna consider that to be a little miracle.
3: Whoa, 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 whoa!
2: When and, uh, you finish? When? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, like, nice. You know, last year I have a, I, I think I have a good race, and I was thinking, I could do I could do better because once you kind of know how everything works, then you really can train properly, and you know. You know how to pace yourself better. Which climbs you should be more aggressive. And I remember Casey like last climb was like taking <laughs> like a two day <laughs> felt like you know. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So. <laughs>
3: and then five or eight k to go, and we're like, that's not three miles.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. Uh, Who made and it up the like hill a- first, by the way? Just out of curiosity, was was it Amanda? Amanda was. Crushing downhill, who made it up that that last hill first? Who was most energetic at the end? Just out of uh, curiosity.
2: I think I, I don't remember exactly, but I would I would say Casey probably. Yeah, yeah, Casey she, probably or Magda because I remember she needed to pee badly, so that might be a Magda <laughs> who was the fastest on the last one. I don't know, but yeah so yeah my training is just kind of I've been cycling a lot and I've been doing everything to to get my body in a good shape like uh, cardio wise and stuff and then last month I just started doing a lot of lot of vertical hiking more than anything and try to go with that and see what my ankle gonna allow me to do and I'm just gonna feel like strong person and good hiker and and see how that's how far I will get you know but yeah this year I'm definitely not going there with any ambitions to to do any crazy time or anything and it's just I, I take the finish and yeah I just felt something I love so much would be take away from me without me making that decision to stop ultra running or whatever like if I would make that decision and be like okay I don't want to run anymore then i would be fine with that i can do a million and other sports but i felt like last year after coming back from Namibia, i have a fantastic race i run well very well there and i felt like you know i really love this sport and then boom you broke the ankle 16 screws two metal plates in it and it's just it's a different story so and, and utmb i had that i have that opportunity to go there so I just didn't want to let it go, and like Casey said, uh, you know, the the race itself, like the the amount of people and the music and the atmosphere and everything about it, it's just crazy, man. Like I don't care who you are, you're gonna feel like it's a big thing in your life for sure, right? That's
1: I, yeah. definitely. I mean, yeah. So I, it's. I worried. can't imagine anyone being like, "Oh, this is this is just an average event." Yeah, <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's worth it. to go there and do your best, and whatever outcome it's going to be in the end, it's just it's event. What you know, if you're ultra or you you should you should do you should try.
1: I'm pr- I'm proud of you, man. I I was distraught. I know Michelle was like super upset when we saw that update. Um, did you, like, fall down some icy stairs or something? I forget what it was. No.
2: It's, like, uh, yeah, I just returned from Africa. I was pretty high. Like, m- like my motivation was great. I felt fantastic. And we took a dog's for a hike, and I closed the, the car, like, like door yeah. door on my car and make a 30 feet far away from the car and slipped from the road into the ditch. And oh. somehow how I felt on my ankle, my, my body... <sighs> put entire pressure on ankle being twisted in the snow, and it just snapped. And like, you know, I, I couldn't imagine th- the simple way you can make so much uh, so much damage. But I also, Ka- yeah. like, Ka- Casey, you as well going in the UTMB after a uh, long sort of recovery. So so how are you how are you preparing this time? You think <laughs> you're gonna be stronger than last year? Or uh, wh- what are you thinking?
3: Well, I hope so. I know I've actually been able to train more vertical than I had in the past. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm still very cautious and leery about, you know, fracturing the pelvis again. So I, I'm going in with confidence, but I'm also going in with uh, caution.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's incredible. Like, I'm noticing my ankle holds. But the mentally just kind of yes. move on yeah. and don't care anymore. It's so difficult. Like every time I'm running downhill, I like I don't open that stride because I'm worried I just gonna slip now and break it again or something. Yeah. It's more mental and yep. yeah, it's weird feeling. I I know
3: it is. It's getting over those barriers of like I can do this and I can my body's gonna allow it. But just knowing that it's it's hard. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I, I went through the same exact thing in uh, beginning of 2015. I was carrying my son, my newborn, out to the car, and I thought it was water and it was, like, a thin thing of ice, and he's in his, uh, you know, his car seat, like, locked in, and I I had, like, a moment where I was, like, do I let go and, f- like, let him fly, and I came down and crunched my left ankle and broke it. And oh, I know man. I know exactly what you guys are saying, like, it took probably six months to be confident running uh, mm-hmm. over roots and and whatnot. Um, I was also that kind of lit a fire under me too, though, because you take you take walking for granted until you yeah you yeah know, absolutely right? yeah I agree
3: yeah. we all we all feel the same
1: <laughs> yeah that's amazing um so shamani, I mean what what should I expect in that town is it just gonna be like Party atmosphere, carnival atmosphere, like, is this, is this like a Olympic village type feel? Like, what should I expect? It's
3: it's like ultra runners everywhere, everywhere. (laughs) It is so awesome. It is such a cool atmosphere. Everybody's, you know, the hype is there. You got some tension, but you also got some fun and it's just a whole mixed bag of everything.
1: Yeah. Maya, what do you think?
2: Yeah, like you know, like I'm not sure when you're going to arrive there, but already like we we're running Friday. So if you're there like a Wednesday or Tuesday, like people already racing, there are races already going on. So there is basically every day something is going on there. Like you can be hanging by finish line and somebody is finishing or or there is start of something like there is always somebody running around, feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, yeah, all the street is full of people eating awesome food. And, yeah, you can go run some trails if you feel like it. You should probably take that gondola up in the midi, like, halfway to Mont Blanc and kind of see the perspective, like, how Chamonix is down in the valley and just kind of see another view. I think it's definitely worth to pay that crazy amount of euros what they're asking for. <laughs>
3: Ed you should check out the glacier that is just right like right in the city basically it's so
1: amazing that's awesome i what's your favorite part of this race for both of you let's start with maya what's your favorite part of this race
2: oh man like my my favorite part from last year was actually running with the ladies Mm -hmm. you know that was uh yeah and, and Like, it's sort of weird because, like, a lot of my friends were saying, like, oh, okay, you run with the ladies. But I was thinking, in retrospect, when I come home, like, did I run my own race or I just run run with the ladies because I run with the ladies, you know? Like, I, I try to... Put everything in the perspective, like what just happened, because like you put a year of training in the one race, and then you go there, and then we finish holding hands for people, and that was amazing, like from human factor kinda. But Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure if I give it all or or what what on. But then I was I was going backwards, how I met Casey, and how we ran, and how we met Magda, and like I just felt like I never wait for anybody or sacrifice anything really, you know. Like, I, I just yeah. felt like that was the way it's meant to be. And I felt really in peace with that. And I know it's probably never going to happen again like that. Like, I doubt it. I, and I I just, like, that was one of the most beautiful races I run in my life. And not only because it was a UTMB, but the way everything just happened. Like, I didn't feel lonely, but same time, I have that, that part of, fighting alone in the game you know even though you with the ladies but these ladies are the best ultra runners on the world so it's not just like, you, like it doesn't matter you are a man or or you not like you still got to perform you know what i'm saying i it's just
1: you ran with the top yeah female athletes in the world yeah in ultra exactly. running like olympic western states winners a uh, cover yeah. of every major running magazine, by them. I I would tack on thirty minutes for my C CC to C to run with people that you know I look up to. <laughs> Honestly, just that experience had to be phenomenal. Like Casey, what's your favorite part of this race? And are you guys? And I don't want to forget to ask. Are you, Casey, are you running this year also? I know Mayo yeah. is. Yes, I am. Okay, awesome. What's, what's your favorite part of the race?
3: Um, I honestly, like, if you just talk, talk about the course-wise, I love from Comayer up to uh, Refuge Bertone and that trail because it is the most magnificent single track, beautiful trail I've ever seen. The views are just phenomenal once you get to the top.
1: Okay, Awesome. And so you'll
3: see that right away. <laughs> I'm
1: Yeah, I'm thankful I get to start at, like, a reasonable time of day where you guys have to start, what, at, like, 6 or 7 at night? 6 yeah. at night, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, how do you handle that aspect of the race? Because that's, that's a lot of hours to be awake, you know?
3: I actually like it.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too.
3: I think it's cool.
2: Yeah. Guys, maybe actually the time change when you it, it's for us uh, almost like a morning here anyway. yeah
3: exactly it's like 11 a.m or something
2: <laughs> so i wasn't really like feeling like any problems and you just spend that well last year we have probably like everybody's saying that was the worst year for utmb i don't know if that's true or not but we started in the rain we finished in the rain and <laughs> The yeah. first night was just so cold, like it was freezing oh, yeah. up there. It was freezing. So like surviving the first night and then just sun come up a little bit and like yeah, we was running down the corner, sun was coming up and then, so pretty. Yeah, that was just yeah, that's just changed the race a little bit. There was like a patch of snow uh, and and then sun come up and yeah, that was fantastic. So I, yeah, I don't mind. Like that night start is it's actually
3: pretty decent. And I remember when we were climbing part of the course and we were like up on a really tall mountain with switchbacks and we looked down and we saw just a million headlights trailing mm-hmm. forever. It was so amazing.
1: I I normally see a million headlights in front of me, like the backs of the <laughs> lights. <laughs> I don't see the fronts. Um, but maybe one day.
3: With this many people, you will still see that. I'm just kidding
1: with you guys. Um, (laughs) I I think the worst UTMB, I remember Scott Jurek having to – I think he was like – he said he was in the best shape of his life. Like, he prepared, and then they canceled UTMB during during the race. So, um, yeah, the weather is definitely going to play a factor. I mean, just to wrap it up – because Casey, I know, I know you have um, some training to do, right? In uh, <laughs> Mayo too. What What advice do you have for me? What What advice do you have for anyone running UTMB, CCC? You know, thirty days out, never run a trail in Europe. Um, kind of like, what What's kind of like your final takeaway and final advice um, for you know? flying into Geneva and and going for it here.
3: Honestly, you really embrace the day and know that the course is going to change constantly. So if it's in a really tough spot and you're struggling, remember that within a mile it's going to be completely different and the views are worth every mountain peak that you have to climb. And just enjoy yourself. Enjoy the day. Be thankful for being able to run in a new country or countries.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Mayo, what do you think?
2: Well, from uh, from training perspective, I guess, before you go, like when you think you did the, everything you, you sort of could have, then try to do a double because you're going to need it in the UTMB especially. Like, and like, from te- training perspective also, I would encourage people, run a lot of steep downhill and hike a lot of steel, uh, steep climbs and just it's it seems to be a lot of a balancing between steep up and steep down and not so much just kind of like miles you yeah. know so if if you think like you you're doing great like a mileage over a week and but but your vertical feet are not there like that's gonna pay a big you know like you're gonna miss that for sure like it's almost seems like uh fast hiker with a lot of vertical gain could potentially do much better with consistent hiking than the runner who's gonna lose those quads on a couple first downhills and then you toast it yeah it's a it's a yeah it's a difficult it's very steep like even the last very last downhill like i don't know if if that's uh Part of the course always, or it just was uh, sort of because last year they changed the course a little bit because of a lot of uh, rain or something was going on there. So the last part, I don't think we did what people usually do, but the last downhill, like I remember that was just crazy there. <laughs> like so steep oh, and yeah. technical. You know what I about? That was horrible.
3: Yes, I remember that. That was scary. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm guessing yeah. Amanda was laughing the whole time, like excited.
2: And you I guys... actually think
3: she was cautious on that too.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh I, no, nobody was <laughs> laughing on that one. That was, that was just like crazy little bit.
1: Well, I I truly appreciate you guys taking the time. I know it's a little shorter than um, sometimes we we have longer conversations. will we'll definitely have you on again. I know you and Michelle are really good friends, also. Um, I know you have tons of experience and knowledge that you know love to tap into at some point. And Casey, you're like the nicest person I've run into on the trails, so we're obviously going to have to um stay in good touch and I I've already shared a, a mile or two with you at Quadrock, so we'll, we'll have to share some miles in the future and thank yes. you guys for for taking the
2: time.
3: And I look wow. forward to seeing you in uh, France and Italy. It'll yeah, be wonderful. We
2: we should record something by uh like drinking some coffee in a coffee shop like uh ten minutes something something like <laughs> you can tell us how you feel like how you like Chamonix and all that stuff
1: I, it sounds awesome truly like this is uh this is gonna be a mini vacation I'm just gonna try to take it all in and i'm my expectations I'm just hoping for top five hundred so to start off and I'm just so new to running. It's like, just don't hurt yourself. Have fun. And I love the ultra running community so much. So it's just like, enjoy the community. Looking forward to seeing you guys in person. And and have a great race, guys. Have fun
2: out you there. You also.
3: Good Thank luck you. with the rest of training.
2: You too, Casey. Train We will hard. see you
3: soon. Yes, I'm excited.
2: Yeah, me too.
1: And that's episode 55. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Truly thankful to have Addy on, Mayo, and Casey. Just excellent, excellent runners. Honored to have them on. Thank you to you guys for checking this episode out. Listenership just keeps growing and growing. More and more downloads. Really appreciate you guys' support. Patreon supporters, big thank you to Travis. He's the big supporter of the month. Truly appreciate you, Jeremy, Trina, Richard, Brian, Lauren, Scott. All you guys, you know who you are we do our virtual group runs appreciate you guys big thank you to hammer nutrition suffer fest beer and bigger than the trail enjoy your training try to smile i had a weird update this week where i was like just try to smile and encourage one other person when you're out there for your group run or your run or whatever and uh yeah just try to smile enjoy it life's too short especially for us us middle to the back of the pack guys um we can't all be as fast as Eddie bracy but we can have just as much fun and enjoy the experience just as much that's what i'm hoping to have at ccc so see you guys next week bye